Welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice. I'm David Gronoski, your host. Having a great time soaring high across the Sunshine State on FM and AM. And it's Friday, so we're having a great time reflecting on the things we've learned this week together and the things we're going to learn in the future. And joining me now is uh, it's a new segment we're going to do. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. We're calling it Trail Thoughts, and it's with two individuals who have a passion for reflection on life, on life lessons, and they both come from the world of words. They come from writing. One of them is uh, a journalist. The other is a a very noted publisher, many great books. And so joining me now is Alec Klein and Eric Campman. How you doing? Hello, David. Hey, David. How are you? It's great to have you guys on the program with us. And uh, one of the things that I've gotten to know is that, you know, there is a lot of stories. There are a lot of stories out there that the society would do well to hear from, positive stories, stories that are not about tearing people down and causing division, but are about having role models that we can look to to imitate in order to further society into a positive win-win direction. So, uh, you know, Alec Klein, you're a journalist. You're someone who has done a lot in the space of of looking at wrongful convictions. I've had you on the program before where you've helped folks who were wrongfully convicted, and I can't think of a better uh, role to use as a journalist, to use your talents as a journalist, than to help folks who have been scapegoated and sent into hell on earth for no reason. How did you get into that line of thought, Alec? Well, David, it goes back to probably my father, who was uh, the editor-in-chief of the New York Times Magazine when I was growing up. And so it was kind of in, in the blood, if you will, uh, this passion for journalism. And I gravitated naturally to investigations of uh, wrongdoing over the years and eventually found myself at the Washington Post, uh, uh, where I was investigating many cases. And ultimately, I ended up spending many years after that uh, investigating wrongful convictions and and helping to set free uh, many people who were uh, falsely accused, wrongly convicted, uh, or over-sentenced in some cases. Uh, And it continues to be a a lifelong passion of mine to try to help people who are uh, without a voice, if you will, who who need help and really have no other option uh, as they're seeking uh, justice and redemption. Yeah, and I think that's very in keeping with a lot of the things that we explore on A Neighbor's Choice. We hear from folks who've been wrongfully convicted, who've been thrown away for decades uh, for sometimes false charges or sometimes, you know, trumped-up charges, ghost drugs, things like that, where they get locked away forever. And, and, to, and to think about the pain because, you know, when you see a little baby and you see them taken away when they're young just for a few minutes from their mommy, you see them cry so hard, right? And you just wonder, what does that have to be like when you're a little child and your mommy or daddy is taken away for no reason? They're not violent. There was no real evidence. And yet, because of our, you know, kind of uh, structural uh, corruption of our system, uh, there are many children right now, maybe some of them listening to this broadcast, Alec, that go home every night knowing they can't hug mom or dad, and there's no reason why they should be in that situation. 
absolutely, David. I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, keep in mind the United States has the highest incarceration rate in the world, with the possible exception of, I think, North Korea, because we don't even know those numbers there. But uh, I believe we incarcerate more than two million people, and the effect is widespread. It goes beyond the individual who is put away uh, in prison. It goes to their families and the communities. I mean, not to mention taxpayers who fund billions of dollars worth of prisons around the country. And it's, it's a real big problem in, in the world uh, today. Uh, and I think uh, increasingly people are becoming aware of the fact that the system is flawed, that there are mistakes, that people are, in some cases, punished for things they didn't do or over-punished for things that perhaps they shouldn't have been punished for. And uh, your friend, you've gotten to know, we can get into how you guys got to know each other, but your friend with us, Eric Campman. Eric, you, you join us from New York City. You're in the heart of the world of publishing. This is something you've spent your life working on. Uh, you Actually, published... the heart of darkness. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking at your, you know, some of the things that you've accomplished. You were hiking, you've hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, which is a 2,178-mile-long trek. My goodness. It was, you must have... it was the last 78 that was the hardest. But I love the fact when you introduced this show, uh, this segment, uh, that you talked about story. Because I think at the heart of what Alec and I want to do is, is get into what really story is. We all have stories, but do those stories really lead us anywhere? Do they lead us to good places, bad places? And one of the things that helped Alec and uh, myself connect was not through his book, Aftermath, which we published, my publishing company published, but actually the story embedded in that book, which was one of catastrophe leading to faith. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a powerful story. I totally connected with Alec on that. Because in my own life, going all the way back to the 1980s, it's exactly what happened to me. I was living a secular uh, life in a mostly secular city with secular ambitions and purpose, and suddenly I was stopped in my tracks uh, in a business uh, kind of maelstrom. And on the other side, I came out as a person who wanted to learn the Bible, which uh, began in earnest in 1991 when I began reading a lectionary, a daily engagement of the Bible, all of the Bible, which I have never stopped doing. But so when I heard or met Alec uh, and heard his story and how catastrophic the first part was, but how uh, amazingly inspirational uh, his conversion story was, mundane on one level and then totally like wow that he and i connected and we've been working together ever since then so that was about a year ago and we started talking about um taking our commonality we both went to the same ivy league college which we like to make a lot of jokes about because christianity is not at the heart of what they're teaching up there but uh, it, it really got us motivated to do a lot of things. Not only did I uh, publish his book, but he edited my most recent book, Signposts. So we've been working on this, and we started talking about radio and being on the radio and, and moving into this whole world of 
not storytelling, but the kind of um, focusing on the importance of story in everybody's life because we all have them, but we, for the most part, keep them pretty secret. Most people don't know our story. So we want to encourage this, this idea of your life has meaning through what is going on with it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a big desire in our culture that you either got to you know, get rich and famous or get out of the way. And I don't think that's really uh, in keeping with the spirit of Jesus. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wealth, but that's not really the biggest, uh, you know, driver for what we do every day, is it? Well, the, the you know, when you talk about wealth, there's there's wealth and there's wealth. But I, I tend to think of uh, the wealth of coming to know Jesus and coming to know the the, the infinite wealth of His wisdom. Uh, his graciousness, uh, his love, it's a bottomless well, his joy. All of these things are a process, but oftentimes we start far away from Jesus. And, you know, one of the reasons we call this Trail Thoughts is both of us are soldiers. Both Alec and I are soldiers. And we're soldiering in a separate and common way towards getting to know Jesus better, getting to follow him, and to have that, you know, bring in uh, mission and purpose into our lives, which mm-hmm. I think is so essential for a full life. Right, yeah. And, and So why is it so fashionable to be afraid or embarrassed of mentioning Jesus' name? Uh, well, I, I'll start with that, but I think Alec probably has something to contribute I live in a very secular part of the world. Uh, I live in Connecticut. I actually work in Manhattan. I haven't been there. This is now, but, you know, I left there to go to Iceland in March 11th. Uh, Europe was closed down. I got back into the States. I thought I'd be out of New York City in my office uh, uh, for a few weeks, and it's become from then to now. I've been into New York three times. Uh, but this has been one of the most blessed periods of my life, because it got me off a business track that I've been on, and it just gave me the luxury of time to contemplate the you know what I was doing with my life. I'm not lost. I, I found Jesus years ago, and I am you know more excited about Jesus today because of this the freedom from uh, routine. Uh, so I, I think that to me, when I started out, I was I was nervous about people seeing that I was reading the Bible on the train commuting into New York. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel that uh, I did a book by the senior pastor in the church, this former senior pastor in the church uh, I attend, and I named it. I came up with the title, "The Bold Christian," and it's a, it's a book for our time because boldness is what. Every Christian is called for in whatever way you're being called to that. Mm-hmm. Alec, you want to? Yeah, your... I was just going to say that. I mean, it's such a great question from David about you know why is it that faith is somehow looked upon uh, as as a as a problem almost in today's world? And I could say that I I think I can understand the question because there was a time, frankly, not so long ago when I didn't believe in anything. And uh, I was sort of reared on this idea 
that uh, that there was nothing beyond ourselves. And in fact, you know, I my greatest fear was that uh, you know after death there's really nothing. Until one day, uh, I was um, investigating a case, uh, potentially wrongful conviction, and I turned to a colleague and I said something like, you know, why do bad things happen to good people. And uh, he handed me a book, uh, The Case for Christ uh, by Lee Strobel. When I saw the cover of the book, I instantly said to myself, there's no way I'm going to read this book because of the fact that I didn't believe in anything, which I think really goes to your question. Uh, But fortunately, as an author, I uh, like to read the beginnings of books to see how other writers get into their stories. And so I did open the book, uh, The Case for Christ, and it began, this is no exaggeration, where Lee Strobel, the author, talked about being an investigative reporter, which is what I was and am. He said that he was investigating a wrongful conviction, which is what I did and continue to do. And he was actually even doing it from the Chicago area, which is (laughs) where I was. And so it caught my attention. I thought, well, maybe I better read the rest of this book, The Case for Christ. And when I did, it made an incredibly compelling case for the historical proof of uh, Jesus. And it got me thinking, well, maybe I ought to read the other book that Lee Strobel is referring to, which is the Bible. And so I picked up a Bible and I began by reading the Gospels. And that just blew me away. And I won't bore you with the rest of my story, but I can tell you that I had never really contemplated this. And I think it's probably fair to say, to some degree, faith has been cordoned off from so much of the lives of so many people all over the world. And as Eric and I have been talking about this over the many months, you know, we've talked about how it would be great to actually bring this back into the discourse, to talk about faith, to talk about uh, the Bible and things that frankly, we think are important about how we should live our lives, what we should aspire to, you know, compassion and forgiveness and love, all the things that are right there in the Bible, if people would look and read it. And and, uh, so that's kind of how we got here, if you will. That's very interesting. Let's continue this thought and find out what, you know, experiencing the story of Jesus did in changing the way you lived your life. Alec and Eric, we're going to continue to unpack this live as we continue this new series we call Trail Thoughts. I'm David Gronoski. Stay with us. Back in just a moment. Soaring high across the Sunshine State, coming to you live. I'm David Gronoski, or you may be catching us on a podcast. Wherever podcast platforms are, we're welcoming you to this time. We see the growing audience all around the world on our podcast, and we're happy to have you there. Our website, a neighborschoice.com, and we're 
enjoying this time, we call it Trail Thoughts. This is our new inaugural series we're doing on Fridays. We're joined by Alec Klein, who's a journalist, and Eric Campman, who's a publisher for Republic Books. And uh, we, we want to pick up where we left off. I want to ask uh, Eric first, how did encountering the story of Jesus change your life specifically? Like what, your mental thoughts, your patterns of behaviors, what did you see happen? Well, uh, um, basically it was divine intervention in a misspent life. Uh, and I was uh, uh, jogging along, so to speak, uh, pretty content and happy and filled with this and that. Uh, and it, it, concurrently with that, my business was failing. And I didn't really fully realize it until one day I stepped into a church in Manhattan and prayed a very, very simple short prayer, not believing that that prayer would have any impact on me, but maybe out of you know childhood experience or something, I looked beyond myself. And two weeks later, uh, I can only say it this way, the Holy Spirit uh, came into my heart. I was sitting in my office on 40th Street in Manhattan, and suddenly I felt this enormous need to go buy a Bible. So to quote Paul, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And out I went that very same day, and I bought a Bible. And it, I can't say the rest is history, because there it was, this big, big, heavy book on my desk there in New York, and I didn't even know where to start. And on top of not knowing where to start, when I finally did start, then the thing we talked about before, fear, fear of being ridiculed, fear of being not uh, au courant, as uh, New York would understand that, not being cool, um, all of those things sort of, you know, prevented me from wanting to keep my increasingly, increasing fascination in the the Bible, all of it, the, the Psalms, uh, Romans, the Gospels, etc. And I, as I got to know it more, I became more enthusiastic about it, more excited about it, and more secret about it. And so these two things were running current. So I just wanted to say that for anybody who's listening who has not, you know, kind of is a distance or doesn't want to share their face, actually, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, we've gotten to a place where getting outside of the cocoon of, you know, private this, private that, as Christians, really doesn't cut it for me anymore, and it doesn't cut it for Alec. I think we're called, and I think that uh, the purpose of this show is to encourage other people to share their experience, just like you're doing with us, David, and uh, and and give people courage uh, and fear, fearlessness, because fear kills action. And we're called to action as Christians in the world. We're not meant to just sit there and enjoy it. We're meant to be it. So, Alec, how did it change? How did your life change or your, the way you thought, you know, mentally and the way you, your choices, actions, when you started to really take serious the role model of Jesus' life? Well, David, I think it changed everything uh, in, in so many ways. Uh, when you find your faith, I think it brings, at least for me, a sense of peace, uh, a sense of purpose in, in our pain, 
I mean, everybody goes through pain and suffering of one sort or another at one time or another. But with my faith, I think it, it allowed me to understand that that there is purpose in that and that there can be good that can come from our own suffering, even if we don't understand it. And an acceptance, really, of our situation, because it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be times when it's particularly difficult. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the idea that, you know, it's not on my time. It's on God's time. And uh, so I try to focus uh, my efforts in a way that I think would make me more of a servant, if you will, uh, to help inmates uh, throughout the country with their cases. Uh, and what we're doing right this very moment, which is, is spreading the word, the capital W in word. And I think that uh, there's a, a great deal of value in that, especially now in the world that we live in, when there's so much hate and vitriol and a lack of compassion. So I think that uh, this is a, a good time for this conversation. So, Eric, I want to know, you've published a lot of books, so you have to have a certain eye for a story, right? So when you look at the craftsmanship, just from a literary standpoint, of the anthology of the text in the Bible, you know, as an eye, you know, you, so you were a publisher first, right? And then you encounter this text in a serious way. What you, you know, give me some of your uh, publisher's perspective on the literary, you know, craftsmanship of these texts that have survived for thousands of years. So uh, the first thing you have to overcome is your preconceptions. And my preconception was the Bible, and I hate to say this publicly, but uh, in my world up here in the Northeast, the Bible was kind of like, uh, um, you know, extracurricular reading. Uh, it wasn't central to your, either your life or your education or your, bu- your business or whatever you were doing. Uh, the thing that got my attention was the Gospel of John. Now, I have an advanced degree in English Lit. I know my Shakespeare. I wrote a master's thesis on Dickens. I, you know, I know, I knew, you know, some of the great novels and stuff like that, but it did, I read Paradise Lost by John Milton, et cetera, et cetera. But I never brought, imported into that the biblical foundation for all the things I was reading. And suddenly I did it in reverse. I was reading the Gospel of John uh, with its powerful, poetic, uh, metaphorical, um, extremely um, accessible writing, the spiritual, the Holy Spirit is all over it, which I, I didn't realize then. But it was the richness of the Gospel of John that said, wow, <laughs> I got it all reversed. I said, Wow, this is like Shakespeare. <laughs> Crazy, but that's what I said, because I'm sort of a child of my own generation. Uh, and the Bible had been put aside for these other things that were meant to, you know, stir our hearts and imaginations. But it's the power of uh, the, and the depth of writing that actually makes me thirst every morning to be in the Bible. Uh, and... So it was that discovery in the Gospel of John, I think, was more than anything else uh, made me say, I want to know more. And I've never stopped wanting to know more. Well, very interesting. And I have to say, we're going to have to unpack more of some of those insights that you've gleaned along the way in the Gospel of John and others. 
because this is a, I think it's a needed conversation. We need to talk about the Bible and not just silo it into religious uh, circles and religious programs, but bring it into the secular space, which is what we're doing right now as we speak. Bring it into the public square and just being able to look at it with fresh new eyes. So I, I appreciate you guys being a part of this this time. So Alec Klein, keep up the great work in your investigative journalism and the things you're doing. And uh, we're going to continue to unpack lessons that you've learned along the way in your investigative work now anchored in the reality of Jesus, the master of history himself. And Eric Campman will continue talking with you as well. So until then, Trail Thoughts is signing off. I'm David Gronoski. Email me, hello at a neighbor's choice.com. Godspeed.